Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Aren't you thankful to know it's more than a song? <laughs> he is really, truly awesome in this place. The feel, the spirit, and the presence of the Lord tonight. Oh, my, my. There is such a wonderful, rich presence of God. Amen. I am so thankful that we feel what we feel tonight. Amen. There is a real drawing of His Spirit. There is. There are some answers here this evening if you have questions. There's some. There's some direction if you need guidance. And Amen. Let's just dip our feet into the water tonight and let the Spirit of God touch our hearts and lives. If you have your Bibles, join me in the book of Genesis chapter 9. I'm going to read a couple of verses beginning with verse number 9. I'm, uh, for a few weeks, over the last several weeks, I've been talking about the favor of God. And I am very thankful today to think about the favor of God. The favor of God being upon your life. You know, sometimes we pray for the Lord to bless us with certain things. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think... Many people lay a pattern of prayer that includes God blessing us. But if I could ask the Lord for only one thing, it would just be to have his favor. Just have the favor of God, amen, upon our lives. And so in Genesis chapter 9, verse number 9, the Bible says, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the whole earth. And... Uh, if I could just look back at verse number 9 for just a moment. I, I behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. If you can just remember that last phrase, and with your seed after you. In about an hour and 13 minutes, I'm going to get to that. And uh, I want you to be able to remember that, if you will. I'm thankful for the power of the hand of God upon our lives, his favor. And, and I'm thankful for the promises that the Lord makes. In Scripture, those, those promises are referred to as covenants. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight about, the power of covenant, the power of coming into agreement or a covenant with God. Amen. You can be seated, and may the Lord bless you. When Noah and his family, after the flood or the rains had ended and the waters had, had subsided, if you read that passage of Scripture, not to belabor the story, but Noah sent out a raven and uh, he sent out a dove and, and he was testing things to see where they stood. 
And in time, the raven did not return, although the dove did return. And then seven days later, when the, when the dove returned, she found and had in her mouth an olive branch. Or uh, it was a sign of life. It was a sign of new life. And Noah knew at that moment um, that it was time. It was time another season of their life had begun. And so if you can only imagine, the world would look radically different, not only look different, but it was different. God had just hit the reset button on humanity. That's far more in truth than we can fully comprehend from our vantage point tonight, that God would just restart everything. There's a few people here this evening that would remember the Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> And uh, if you were playing with the Etch-A-Sketch and you wanted to start over, there was, there was no soft restart. You just, you know, there was, no, there was no way to ease out of a mistake. It was all what we would know today as a hard reset. It was just shaking it in a blank screen and you start over. And not to make light of this at all, but in essence, that's what God was doing. It was a hard reset on humanity because God destroyed all of the wicked and spared that one family, man and his family, that had found favor. I, I am confident if we were to try to just put ourselves in the skin of Noah and his family for just a moment, their emotions were no doubt mixed. There was excitement, I'm sure, at the newness of life, but also fear, uh, if that would be the appropriate word to use, anxiety about where to from here, starting over. Uh, if you have ever moved into a new home or relocated, there's something about starting over. There can be a measure of excitement to that, but there can be a measure of anxiety about that because uh, not only is it new and fresh, but it's new and fresh. There's a lot of unanswered questions, and it was altogether different because everything had to start over. There was nowhere to live. There was no cultivated land to which you could just plant a crop and, and uh, begin your life. It had to start again from zero. Consequently, there was no one to help them. It was just their family. Yet, in the middle of this kind of situation, in that setting where everything had to begin afresh, the scripture tells us that the first thing that Noah did was worship God and offer a sacrifice. He had such a strong relationship with the Lord that his first act was directed toward God and not toward me and mine and my family. And there were animals, of course, on the ark, not just for the procreation of carrying forth, but there were animals on that ark for sacrifice, and that's exactly what Noah did. And I believe this demonstrated in this one single act a very powerful and great promise. And that is that when we are faced with something and we don't really know where to begin, I believe that we should begin with God. Just put God in the center of those unanswered questions. Put God at the center and the heart of whatever circumstance we may face and say, Lord, no matter what, I need you to go with me. Amen. I, I, I prayed today, and there are many places, I don't, can't think of any place in the world I would ever want to go without God. But I often remind the Lord, don't ever let me go to this pulpit without you. I need you to stand with me. I need you to guide my, my steps, anoint my mind, and, and uh, we have got to have God at the very center. 
And so the good news about Noah's circumstances is the fact that he was not left to just face all of these insurmountable challenges on his own. When Noah offered a sacrifice, he established a new covenant. It was a new start on life. The weight of a world that was consistently bent on evil, that was the world in which Noah and his family had been exposed to prior to the flood. And so the weight of living in a world that was constantly bent toward evil was now behind Noah. We can't even fathom that in the world in which we live today because evil is everywhere present, everywhere present. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about murderers and and rapists and things of that nature. Obviously, they exist But there is a spirit, sinister spirit of evil that is in our world. There there seems to be that that in the most, in the place where you think you would find serenity and, and, and peace, there is that sinister spirit of hell that rises up. And so now today, Noah and his family on this day can build their future together. This covenant was more than just a legal contract. It was really built on a commitment between God and his people. And I believe that when God established this new covenant with Noah, he was also making a commitment that I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. I will not comfort you. And and so I think this common thread is found all throughout the pages of Scripture You can find it in the Old Testament, the New Testament, woven in and out this promise that God is not going to forsake his people. He will be with them. Even when his people forsook him, he did not forsake them. The good news for us is that we don't have to face life's challenges alone. It was said just this past Sunday, Brother brother Jerry Herndon in his messages Sunday, Uh, referred to some of the things that that he and Jennifer have faced in the last several weeks and months. And and underlining in that, he, uh, he underscored what do people do that don't have the Lord. Uh, and, 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 and that's not a pompous statement. That is a very sincere statement. What would we do if we did not have the network of the church and the power of prayer and the confidence of God's word? Yes, we live in a world that is marred by sin and yes, our lives are affected by the wickedness. It's all around us, but we are not in this world without hope. <laughs> Absolutely, we are not in this world without hope. When mankind hears and responds to the gospel, anyone, whosoever will, hears and responds to the gospel. When we turn toward God in repentance and we, and we yield ourselves to obedience of the scripture to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins and position ourselves to then to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God shows his favor toward man by that very promise, the promise of his Holy Spirit living within us. I could say it another way. When we enter into a covenant with God, that is that covenant is sealed with the gift of his spirit. And I believe that once we receive this gift, we real, have to realize that God is no longer walking with us, but he is walking in us. He's not just with us along for the ride. He is dwelling in us. And so as Noah left the ark and, and he and his family enter into the new world, the new birth, 
just in like fashion, the new birth allows you and I to enter into Christ. Former behaviors, former lifestyles, former thoughts, habits, and ways are all washed away by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been redeemed by the blood. Aren't you thankful for the power of redemption tonight? A fresh start. That's such an incredible gift. And our lives become radically different. The book of Galatians describes us as a new creation or a new creature. In the book of Ephesians, in the, the book of Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle Paul says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And so there is this newness. There is this new person. There is this new creature. Paul said to the church of Colossae in chapter 3 and verse 10 that we have put on, here it is again, this new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the after the image of him that created him. And so there is this newness and this freshness that comes from God. And so not only did this new covenant allow Noah's life and family a fresh start, but it was there for generations to come. And that's why I reread one portion of my text this evening because the promise of God was not just to Noah and it was not to just those that were a part of that journey. Amen. But it was for generations to come according to Genesis chapter nine, the promise to never destroy the earth again. He didn't just make that promise to Noah, but he made that promise to generations to come. It would extend to all humanity. After Noah, uh, God established a covenant with Abraham. And in this covenant, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of nations. God said that his descendants would inherit this blessed land. It was not just to you, Abraham. I'm not just gonna bless you in your lifetime. But, but what you're doing in covenant with me, and this is where I want to kind of pull all of our thoughts together tonight in this, is that the Lord is saying to Noah and the Lord is saying to Abraham, I'm not just gonna pull you into a circle and bless you, but I'm gonna bless your family. I'm gonna bless generations to come. Amen. God said, I'm going to let the, the, your descendants are going to inherit this. After, uh, after the children of Israel exited Egypt's bondage, God established a covenant with Moses, and he established a covenant with the children of Israel. And in this covenant, God promised to make them a special people. He promised to make them of the kingdom of, out of them a kingdom of priests. He promised to make of them a holy nation. That's what Simon Peter was referring to. Amen. He called us that holy people, a, a peculiar people, and he called us a holy nation. Generations later, once David became the king of Israel, God enacted a covenant with him. And he said of David that, that, that David was, was going, there would be an heir of David, in other words. And that heir of David would rule forever. We can read that in 2 Samuel chapter 7. That God is going to have a covenant with the heir of David. And that heir would rule forever. Later, even when Israel was in a backslidden state of mind and heart. And they were facing God's judgment through captivity once again. 
God established another covenant. And this new covenant would put his word not just on tables of stone, but it was going to put his word in the heart of man. Amen. This final covenant is something that everybody can take part in. I'm telling you tonight that if you're here without the Holy Ghost, you don't have to leave without the Holy Ghost. And tonight, if you're hearing or watching this message, can I tell you that you don't have to go to sleep tonight without the Holy Ghost because it is a promise no longer written just in a book, no longer just written on stone, but he said, I'm gonna write that on the tables of your heart. Hallelujah, and you can have that tonight. Unlike the law of Moses, that law of Moses was literally inscribed on stone. But God said, now I'm gonna have, offer you a chance to have my word, my words, my promises. They're gonna be written in our heart. And he does that through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now the good news is that this new covenant, like other covenants in the Bible, it doesn't just end with you. When we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when I received it, when you received it, the Lord said this promise is to all whosoever will. Amen. This promise is Peter declared on the day of Pentecost when the power and the spirit of God began to fall he said this is to you and your children amen this is to those that are afar off this is for generations to come I'm thankful for the promises of God. I'm talking about the power of covenant. When God steps into a situation and says, I am going to make a difference. I am going to make a difference. Now, we enjoy the blessings of the new covenant through the infilling of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, but we must recognize something, that covenants, agreements, they come, it's a gift that comes with obligation. Remember that. I will tell you that all covenants require commitment. If you're going to make a promise, that promise is going to require a commitment. We can't just let something flow across our lips. We can't let something just flash across the screen of our mind and it hold any weight or any water. Amen. If it's going to be a true covenant, there's going to have to be a commitment that follows that. Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, all of these that I mentioned tonight, all of these individuals had something in common. And that common thread is the fact that these men were in a committed relationship with God. No matter where they found themselves, they were committed to the precepts of God and His Word. And we can read about all of these men and we can watch them in their zenith. We can watch them at their greatest. We can watch them in their strongest moments and we can also watch them at their lowest ebbs but we know one thing in their heart was committed to God when David had to sit and encourage himself what kept him what sustained him was the fact that he had committed himself to God even though Israel rebelled God promised a new covenant and that's what we read about in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the crowd that gathered there had repented of their sins and had come together as one in one mind and one accord the power of God fell in that upper room and the world has never been the same again can I say that again when what we read in Acts chapter 2 is not something that just happened in one snippet of time this is not something 
that we just reached out and we grabbed as a chunk of history and filed it away. But when the power of the Holy Ghost fell on that grand and glorious day, the world, the world has never been the same since. Your world and my world has been affected because of what happened at the power of Pentecost. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Amen. In like fashion, I believe that when we commit ourselves to God, that we too can experience that favor that comes with a Christian walk, a committed Christian walk. We can find that favor. Just like any other biblical commitment or covenant, I believe that God's blessings can be extended to our children and our children's children. I want you to carefully walk with me here. As we live a life separated from the world, our children are spared so much pain of the consequences of previous sinful choices. Amen. I have preached many times and referred to many times about what the scripture refers to to the, to the, to the disciples that day that were gathered on Mount Olivet whenever the Lord told them to go to Jerusalem and that was where they were commissioned to go into the upper room. And the Bible says it was just a Sabbath day's journey. That means it was just a half day's journey. Others were coming to that upper room, but they were going to have to travel a whole lot further. They were going to have to navigate around a whole lot more things than this group of people. Now, I'm not trying to, to, to uh, make out like this was an elite thing. I don't mean that at all. But I will tell you today that when a man and a woman, a mother and a father, when men and women will commit themselves and their ways to God, can I tell you that the generation behind them, they are having a paved road. They are having a path beaten out. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you that there are others today that will not have to walk through some things because we lived a committed life before the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. My, my, my. I am not remotely suggesting that we can save the souls of our children. I, I'm not remotely suggesting that we can live in a certain fashion that would guarantee the Holy Ghost to, keep, to be in the lives of our children. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But I'm telling you that when we separate ourselves and live a committed life, hallelujah, hallelujah, we can have the testimony that our children have never found their mama or they've never found their daddy passed out from alcohol or drug addiction they never had to crawl through that they never had to walk through being abandoned they never had to walk through this they never had to walk through that why because every time the doors of the church were open you were there every time we had a, a time of prayer and a time of praise and a time of worship we weren't out at the water fountain we weren't out in the parking lot talking amen we weren't out sitting just on the back seat disconnected from what God was doing but we were warming our hands and our heart over the power and the purpose of God in that moment. Can I tell you, you weren't just saving yourself. You weren't just blessing yourself. You're not just helping yourself, but you're helping a generation behind you. They'll never have to walk through some things. They'll never have to go through some things because we've already beat a path to that.
praise God. I believe that we can create and I believe that we can cultivate an atmosphere in our heart and an atmosphere in our home that is conducive for the blessings of God to rest the favor of God to rest upon our lives. In order for God to bless us, as it's been said many, many times, you have to live a blessable life. God is not going to bless a mess. God's not going to just step into a pile of confusion and say, I got this. We have to give God something to work with. I know I've referred to this many times, but it was a funny story, but it drove home a point. Many years ago, probably more years now than I want to admit, we were in camp meeting, and Brother Daryl Johns from Atlanta West was preaching our day services. And on one particular day, he started preaching about living a life that God can bless. And this message, he kind of told where the genesis of this message and where it was born in his heart. And they were going through a, a fast food restaurant of some sort and he had ordered a foot-long chili cheese dog. And he's holding that foot-long chili cheese dog and then they pause to say the blessing. And he said, I want you to bless this. And he got to thinking, how can God bless this? How can God bless this? I want, you know, we jokingly have a big banana split in front of us and ask God to curse the calories and curse the sugar and curse and, and we're just asking God to do something he's not going to buy into. Amen. <laughs> he's not going to do it all right until I started talking about food, wasn't I? Amen. We kind of get right down where you live but that's it. We, if we're going to if we're going to be blessed, then we have to live our life in the blessing zone. We got to give God something to work with. We've got to present before God something that He can indeed put His hand on. I believe that covenants are meant to last a long time. Biblical covenants, I've mentioned this evening, spanned generations. When an agreement between two parties is intended to last a length of time, there is generally a symbol or an agreement between those two parties. And that symbol and that agreement is very, very critical to the fruition of this covenant. And so we may not really like sometimes the legal hoopla and the documents that you have to sign if you are doing a business trans, trans, transaction, but it is very, very important if you are... I mean, if you're just buying a Coke, you, you can keep the receipt or not. But if you're buying a home, you might want to keep those papers in order. You, if there's an agreement, a serious agreement where a lot of money is on the line, there needs to be an agreement, a symbol, a sign, often that is a signature that is often followed by a notary public that has witnessed that signature and signed off that this really happened. These parties were present. This took place. Because you see, believe it or not, it is very easy to forget an agreement. <laughs> to love, to honor, to cherish, sickness, health, Good times, bad times, good mother-in-law, bad mother-in-law. <laughs> An agreement is easy to forget. Therefore, it's a wonderful thing to have a reminder, a symbol, 
that kind of helps keep that commitment in the forefront of our mind. That reminds us. It's there. <clears throat> Fortunately for us, God uses symbols to remind us of his commitment. For Noah, it was a rainbow. It was that visible reminder, that splendid ray of, of multiple colors. It is a reminder that I will never destroy the earth by water again. And this symbol was present in the sky after rainy days. There's no doubt in my mind that that was such a great comfort to Noah and his family. I'm not, I'm not trying to be uh, comical in this at all, but don't you imagine that, that the next time it rained, seriously rained after the flood, that they got a little uneasy? So we, we've been here before. I remember what happened last time. But God said, but I'm going to put something above this storm to remind you of something that I told you that I will never do this ever again. Amen. This covenant, an incredible, this incredible covenant, the Lord said, I'm going to remind you of that. And I believe that is a sign of the Holy Spirit for us in this hour in which we live. The new covenant offers us an incredible opportunity to commune with God, to be present with God. Brother Larry Newbern, a moment ago when he stepped to the pulpit, he said, aren't you thankful that the veil was torn in twain? Aren't you thankful that we are not relegated to somebody else going into the presence of God for us? Aren't you thankful that we're not out in our car sitting in the parking lot while just somebody comes in here and worships the Lord and walks out and tells us all about that experience? But the veil has been torn in two and we are able to experience God. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are able to experience God ourselves. Amen. Not This was not experienced. I think it's imper imperative to understand and, and remind ourselves that this was not what we've experienced tonight. On this rainy Wednesday night midweek service, what we have experienced and felt here tonight was not experienced by the Old Testament prophets. Amen, they, they didn't have not felt what we have felt here in this house. I believe they felt God in a different way, but not feel him like we have feel, are feeling him tonight. God's law, amen, now is not just some external code of laws to be memorized that maybe only a few select people can officiate an act of worship in a temple. But today we can be led by the prompting of the Holy Spirit Amen. That doesn't abide somewhere else or in the life or the heart or the mind of somebody else, but it dwells in us. Today, today, tonight, this very moment, we can all experience his presence anytime and anywhere. His presence is just as close as our worship. Hallelujah. His power, his presence is just as close as our ability to worship. His voice is just as responsive as our next prayer. When I kneel in prayer, I can find him there. When I whisper his name, when I begin to worship him, I can feel his power and his presence. This commitment by God to dwell within us is, is just the beginning of the promise that he has in store for us because the scripture calls the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit the earnest of our inheritance or the down payment. It's just a portion of it all. And so just as God gave Noah the rainbow as a physical sign of, of a covenant, I believe that he has also given you and I a physical symbol of the Spirit's infilling that accompanies this new covenant. And that physical 
in that official, a physical initial sign of the infilling of the Holy Ghost is speaking with other tongues. From the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 to this very present moment, the experience of speaking in other tongues has accompanied the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I believe and the scripture teaches that tongues serve as a confirmation to the believer that they have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it also serves as a confirmation to the unbeliever that witnesses it that something miraculous and marvelous has happened. Amen. I'm talking about genuine a genuine experience of somebody receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking with other tongues. That's why we don't prompt people to speak in tongues. Amen. We don't try to tell them what to say. We don't try to work that up and generate an atmosphere of, of just mere human excitement or emotion because that is a God thing and a God moment. That is evidence to the believer and evidence of the unbeliever. Amen. So we should never try to prompt someone as to what to say. If you follow me in that, speaking in tongues, I think we should understand, is not the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is just evidence of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues is a sign that the Spirit of God has moved in. And obviously, there's going to be fruit that, of the Spirit that begins to bud and grow and, and present itself in the, in the life of an individual. Another aspect of the rainbow was a symbol of God's covenant is that it still serves. <laughs> it is still true. It is still real. It still serves as this continual reminder. Amen. God said, I'm going to give you something, Noah. But he wasn't just talking to Noah. He was talking to mankind. He said, I'm going to give you man. I'm going to give you mankind. I'm going to give you something to remember this by. I will tell you that in recent months, my wife and I, it just seems that, uh, that, that we have just seen some of the most spectacular rainbows of all time. We have We've seen a, a couple of times a double rainbow. And, and uh, we've seen a, a rainbow and it ended right, right in our property. Not for sale. We're just bedazzled. We're just looking at that, that promise of God. Amen. There it is. It just seemed like you could almost have just walked out into the field and just walked around and waved your arms in it. And you know, wow, that would make us feel good if we could literally do that. Can I tell you that we can do that? We are walking around in that promise. We're walking around in His presence. We're walking around with His Spirit. Hallelujah. We lift our voice and you may be in your home all alone and the spirit of almighty God the creator of the ends of the earth will join you in your home you may be riding down the road in your automobile and the power and the presence of almighty God as we begin to worship him his presence fills our mind his presence fills our heart his presence fills our automobile while we're riding down the road the power of a promise the power of a covenant thank God Thank God. Amen. The value of that continual reminder of that commitment to God, the value, the value of that. <clears throat> Amen. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin closing here tonight. But one way I believe that we can reinforce our covenant with God and one way we can just continually remind ourselves 
of God's promises is through the power of our own personal shared testimony. Now, you know, I want to be careful when you testify. I want to be careful when I testify because sometimes it can just sound like you're you're uh, just blowing your own horn and things of that nature. I, I don't mean it to sound that way, but I just got I just feel prompted to share something with you. The last couple of days, I've had the opportunity to spend uh, with someone and, and and just been talking. They've been asking me a lot of questions about about what the Lord, just different things about ministry and, and different things about life and our own life experiences. And so as I began to answer those questions, I just got reminded over the course of the last couple of days, God has really been good to me. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that I had forgotten anything. I'm not suggesting that any of those experiences had grown old. But as I began to share a few things that God has done in our lives, I looked up and I saw tears in the eyes of the listener. And it impacted me because it impacted them. And it reminded me that God had moved in my life. Not just in these lives. And that God had given promises and God had spoken and and there were times, I, I, say this, I say this very humbly, but there were times that when God said move, we moved. And when God said stop, we stopped. And because of that, God put his hand of favor upon us. I'm testifying. If you think I'm boasting tonight, you're hearing this with the wrong ear. When we begin to talk about some things that God has done in our life, it first of all reminds us of God's faithfulness as we recall certain seasons of the journey where God was just right there. He was just right there. We could talk about moments where the, the Spirit of the Lord just stepped into a situation. We had no idea what God was doing because we couldn't see that left hand of God at work. But God was doing something. And so as we begin to look back on these seasons of our lives, we see this, this uninterrupted track of God's faithfulness. He's just there. If you're facing a difficult situation in your own life, then just start thinking about what God has already done. And at the risk of sounding trite, I would hope not, but at the risk of sounding trite, I'm going to tell you that when Saul and his brothers begin to ask him, what makes you think you can take this giant Goliath down? He reached into his ready, accessible past. David said there was a lion that come nowhere near the face of what we're doing now. And a bear who come nowhere near comparable to what we're facing now. But you see, it was this that gave me confidence for that. And it was that that gave me confidence for the next thing. And so when we start talking about what God has already done, it can change your perspective. The second thing about sharing our testimony is that it, it encourages other people 
during difficult times of their life. No one, no one person, no one family could possibly experience every critical nuance of life. And so there are situations that all of us are exposed to. Someone is sharing something they're going through and you haven't been where they are. That's not your fault. No one can experience every hairpin curve of life. But aren't you thankful that someone has been there? I, I appreciate anybody that's ever lent an ear or a shoulder or a hand to stabilize my steps. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like talking to somebody about what you're going through that's been through what you're going through. They have an arsenal that is unmatched because they know. They're not trying to, to sympathize. They're not trying to wrap their mind around what if this was me. They understand the aftertaste of their own peril is still in their mouth. And so it encourages other people when we share what God has been and what God, how God has helped us in our past, even in difficult times. And I believe that while all of our experiences with God are unique to our circumstances. The ways in which God responds, that's, that's not unique because the, the principles of God do not change. Because He is a provider and He is a protector and He is a savior and God is kind and He exercises grace and God extends mercy and, and God presses and spreads His love further than we ever think it could possibly go. And so while the circumstances of our, all of our lives would, would obviously be a little bit unique, there's some principles of God that are unbending and unyielding. And we say, you know what, when I needed Him, He was right there. He manifested himself a little bit differently for you because it was you and your situation, your circumstances, but he was still a protector. And he was still a savior and he was still merciful and he was still loving. And my, my, amen, I'll ask our musicians to come. Hearing, hearing how God has shown up just in time for somebody else. You know what that does? It reminds us that if God has done it before, he'll do it again. Many, many years ago, my, my wife and I had gone to St. Louis to a conference. And uh, while there, a minister friend, a couple, uh, they had, uh, his, his wife, a very talented singer, musician, she had just uh, recorded a new project. And... On that project was a song she recorded entitled, He'll Do It Again. And at that moment in our life, what we really needed was a reminder that God would do it again. Yes, He'll do it again. And I'm going to tell you from St. Louis, Missouri, all the way back to our home, we listened to that song over and over and over and over because it was a lifeline. It was an IV straight to our heart 
that reminded us God has done it before and he can do it again. Amen. And so I realize in a moment of time that if God did this for my brother or if God did this for my sister, that he can do that again. And so we should never grow tired of hearing what God has done in other people's lives. Don't, please don't fold your arms. I've already heard that. Hear it again. Hear it again. Oh, hear it again. Hear it again. Amen. Let's stand. Furthermore, I believe that we should never, ever stop telling our story. I believe sharing our testimony serves as a witness of the hope within us to people who don't know the Lord. So we should never stop talking about what the Lord has done for us. Never. Scriptures call us to be witnesses. And I believe this is demonstrated in more than one way. I believe that when others see our good deeds, they can be affected by our witness. But I also believe that when we talk about the hope that lies in us, that too is an effective witness. The hope of God. The easiest way, I believe, to tell others about our hope is when we share our own story of how God changed us. This is what God did for me. And as we reveal what God has done in our own lives, our testimony bears witness to the truth of God's mercy and His grace and His love. And, and people get hope that if He can do that for you, He can do that for me. So here it is. Faith comes by hearing. Amen. So if, if, if we got to hear it, somebody's got to tell it. And that, I believe, has never made more personal than when people who know us are, are acquainted with us see the gospel of, of Jesus Christ lived out in our lives. Not just a Bible under our arm, not just a crucifix around our neck. It's not just some proclamation on certain days of the year. But every day, under great duress, they see the load of life bow our backs, but not our faith. Amen. They see the load and the weight of life stagger our steps, but not our faith. We're going to stay true to Him. We're going to stay true to Him. My Lord, there's a presence of the Lord here. My, there is a presence of the Lord here. Let's worship Him. God's doing something. God's doing something. I believe the Lord's doing something right here in this service. I believe God's doing something in somebody's home right now. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is ministering. The power and the presence of God is going to minister right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, 
please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.